Good morning, everybody. How's everybody? I feel like, you know, um, numbers in Mississippi and COVID seem to be trending in a, in a direction that's, that's hopeful. I'm hopeful that, that maybe there's some relief at the end of this and we're going to get a, a normal uh, holiday season, a normal kind of fall and, and winter. Uh, praise God. The, the temperatures are kind of cooling outside. And we've always said if it's possible, we may try to do some combined outside services. We've learned to do that. I think some people who are staying away would, uh, would, would come and join if, if they felt less, uh, less like there was an opportunity to spread like outside. Um, Kent Hughes, I don't know if y'all know who Kent Hughes is, he's a great commentator. He writes uh, some of the greatest commentaries that are out there right now. But he tells a story about a man who is contemplating suicide. And the man is standing on the edge of the Brooklyn Bridge, and he's about to jump when all of a sudden a police officer who he didn't see came up and got his hands kind of around the man's collar and he, and he pulls the man back several feet to safety and the guy who was trying to jump told the officer he says like you don't understand man uh, i'm miserable you don't know how hopeless my life is please just let me jump and, and end it all tonight and uh the officer was a kind-hearted man, and hearing the pain in the jumper's voice, he said, young man, I will make you a deal. Uh, you take five minutes, and you give me all the reasons why life is not worth living. And then you give me five minutes, and I want to tell you all the reasons why life is worth living, all the reasons why there's hope in this world. And if at the end of that time you still want to jump, I won't stop you. And so the jumper agreed, and he took his five minutes, and he told the officer exactly why life was so hopeless. And in turn, the officer takes his five minutes, and he speaks to the jumper, and at the end of the conversation, the two men join hands, and they jump off the bridge together. <laughs> this is a dark and fictional story about hopelessness. I think the main idea is just how easy it is to be pulled down into the world of hopelessness. Our world is, is, is not a very hopeful place in 2021. We have global pandemics, divided politics. We've got a handful of natural disasters every week. I mean, I can't even keep up with them. I think California is on fire. You know, the South is always flooded. And the media does not help one bit. You know this, if it bleeds, it leads, and outrage sells, and you and I are the ones who buy it, we kind of have this almost like an IV, a steady drip of outrage journalism being pumped into our homes and being pumped into our phones. We are reminded constantly of everything broken in our world and, and while we have no idea what tomorrow holds, it appears that most Americans agree that our future does not look good. And a 2020 article in the New York Times was entitled this, On the Future, 
Americans can agree it doesn't look good. That's, the, that's a, not a great article title, but, but that's what it was titled. On the future, Americans can agree it does not look good. And, and the article described a growing rift in America and suggested that Americans can't agree on anything except the idea that the future doesn't look good. That's the only thing that they could agree on. You, know, you see, the point of our first story about the man jumping off the bridge was this. The man who jumps from the bridge believes that the future is dark and hopeless. And when it comes down to it, the man who jumps believes that death is better than tomorrow. What do you think that the future holds for you? There's a famous quote that goes something like this. I don't know what the future holds, but I know who holds the future. It's been attributed to Homer. It's been attributed to civil rights leader Ralph Abernathy. I don't know who said it originally, but it's one of the most succinct and inspiring statements about faith that I have ever heard. I don't know what the future holds, but I know who holds that future. That's a great way to understand faith, isn't it? Today's scripture reading is about just that. It's about your faith, and it's about your hope, and it's about your future. Those three things are all tangled together, whether you realize them or not. Your hope, your faith, and your future. And I want to read from the Word of God today about hope, faith, and future. We're going to read together from Hebrews 11, 1 through 16. Now, it is our tradition to stand when the Word of God is read. So I want to invite you, if you're able, to stand now in reverence of the Word of God found in Hebrews 11, 1 through 16. And before we read, let's stop for a word of prayer together. Father, we come to you now in the name of Jesus, our Lord, and we pray that as we approach your holy word, that your spirit would do its work in our soul, that conviction would come where conviction needs to come, that insight would come where your will is, and we would understand these things, God, and that our faith would be strengthened. We pray this in the name of Jesus, and the church said, amen. All right, beginning in the first verse of chapter 11. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous. God commended him by accepting his gifts, and through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out, 
not knowing where he was going. By faith he went to live in the land of promise. As in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man, and him as good as dead, were born descendants, as many as the stars of heaven, and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have an opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared them for them a city. Church, the grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our Lord will stand forever. And this is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Have a seat. This is one of the greatest chapters in the Bible, especially as it pertains to faith. It begins with a definition of faith, and it's important to define faith. That's something that's important to define because faith is a word that gets thrown around a lot in Christianity. We use the word faith, and people mean different things. They say, keep the faith. You know, are you faithful? And we can kind of actually, there can be some semantical differences by what we mean by that. Look at what Hebrews 11 says. Hebrews 11.1, 1. now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. How might you say that more simply? If you were to say, uh, if you were to say that more simply, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, how could you simplify that? What if you said instead something like this? What if you said, faith is being sure of what you hoped for? Does that simplify it for you? Like, it's, it's, being sure, it's, it's being sure of the things that you have hope in. I think that's the definition that we get from Scripture. Faith is when you have this absolute certainty in the things that you place your hope in. And faith and hope, they both really deal with things that are going to happen in the future, right? Our hope is what we want to happen in the future. What do you, what do you hope for? Our faith is how sure we are that those things that we hope for are going to actually happen. One of the reasons that Americans are pessimistic about the future is because they no longer have faith in the things that they hoped for. They place their, their, their hope in things like political parties and science, and those institutions have let them down, and now their faith is wavering. Now, our scripture today in Hebrews talks about putting our hope in the person and work of Jesus Christ. And being sure of that hope that we have. You see, the Apostle Paul talks about hope a lot also. And, and, I, and I love what he says about it in Romans 8, 24 and 25. Here's, here's what Paul says about it. 
Romans 8, 24 and 25. For in this hope we were saved. And I hope that a seen is not hope. For who hopes in what he sees? You don't hope in what you see. You have to have hope for what we do not see. We wait for it with patience. That's faith. It's, it's this confident patience in something that you can't yet see. You see the definition of faith that we get in Hebrews there? Let's one more time. It's, the, uh, it's being sure of the things that we hope for. It, it's the, we, we have convictions in things we can't yet see. So if you're a person of great faith, you're a person that has an unbreakable certainty that Jesus accomplished everything Scripture says that he did. That's what it means to have faith, that you have an unbreakable certainty in the hope that you have. And you want to talk about what Scripture wants you to have? It wants you to have faith. It wants you to have an unbreakable certainty in the hope that you have. What do you hope for? Specifically, when you talk about your own personal future, what do you hope for one day? If you're to make a list, what keeps you from being hopeless like the man on the bridge, right? Are you hoping for a, a nice retirement? Uh, maybe uh, some nice trips? A few more decades with your loved ones? Do you hope for eternal life in Jesus? Do you hope that you have peace with God? Do you hope in heavenly things? A faithful person puts their hope into the future which God has promised them by his word. Christian faith is about trusting the promises of God. And I think that's important to say because um, I want to make some distinctions here because I told you earlier, faith is one of those words that we use in the Christian community and we sometimes mean different things and we get confused. There are some Christians who don't seem to understand the true meaning of faith. There is a whole group of, of our fellow evangelical Christians who belong to something called the faith movement. Have you ever heard of the faith movement? And they seem to think that, that faith is a tool that the Christian has that allows them to control the future. Okay? Think about that logic, that faith becomes a tool that the Christian has that allows them to control the future. They seem to think, if I have faith in something, if I have enough faith in it, it will come to be the things that I want. And so John MacArthur was talking about this. I don't know if you're familiar with John MacArthur. And, and here's what he said. He says, when they talk about the power of faith, what they mean, what these Christians mean, is that we can use our faith as a power to write our own future history. We can literally believe things into being. We have the power of faith that can create a healing. We have the power of faith that can bring about a salvation. We have the power of faith that can change how people treat us. We have the power of faith that can change our economic status, that can make us from poverty to wealth, from being a failure to being a success, from being a nobody to being a somebody, from having only ambitions and hopes and dreams to experiencing fulfillment. That notion that exists in the so-called faith movement is that faith is a power that you possess to create your own future. And, and let me say this. That is not Christianity. Did you know that? That is not Christianity. True faith is not faith 
uh, it's not this power to change the future into whatever you want. True faith is this unquenchable hope in the future which God has chosen for you. You see the difference? Some people think that, that, that faith is being able to get what you want as opposed to faith being able to trust God for what he has for you. Christian faith is not a power in which you harness, that allows you to harness God's supernatural strength to create the future most profitable for you. Faith is the God-given ability for you to trust the future that God has prepared for you. It's saying, I don't know what the future holds, but I know who holds my future and it's not me. I don't know about you, but, but I don't really want to control my future. I've thought about it a lot. I've thought about how smart I am. I've thought about some of the decisions I've made in life. And I think it's just better off if I leave my future to the hands of the one who, who loves my soul and who gave his son as a ransom for me. I'm just going to trust the Lord with writing my future. I think he's better prepared for it in his omniscience and his great wisdom. Today we're talking about faith, and we're not talking about that fake kind of faith, but rather the kind of faith that can produce in you confident trust in the future that God has promised you. Let me talk to you about the, the context of Hebrews 11, about what we read today. Hebrews is written to a small church, a church of 25 to 30 Jews who have converted uh, to following Jesus. These Jews have been convicted in their life that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. Uh, they, they've suffered because they believe this. They've been imprisoned because they believe that Jesus is the Messiah. These Jews have even had their property taken for them because they believe that Jesus is the Messiah. And, and these Jews have found themselves in this place where they are like that guy on the Brooklyn Bridge. Okay, They're looking at their future, and they're wondering if Jesus' promises will really come to fruition in the future they're asking, is it all worth it? All that we've been through, all the suffering that we've been through. And they've been beat into submission by the world, and they're not sure that anything they're hoping for is really going to happen. What does the future hold for them? More persecution, more prison? For what? What's the point of all this suffering? That's kind of where they are. And listen, at some point, what the author of Hebrews has to do is that he has to convince the audience that having faith in the midst of all these trials matters. He has to convince them that faith is important to the Lord. He has to persuade, or he has to present at least, a persuasive evidence to them. Now, now how, do, how if you had to persuade a Jew that faith is important, and believing in, in faith is important, how might you do that? Well, I'll tell you the way that they do that. The author of Hebrews is going to go back to the Old Testament, and he's going to begin to do kind of an exhaustive study of the faith of the heroes of the Old Testament. Look at verse 2. It says this, For it, for, for by it, for by faith, the people of old received their commendation. In other words, the Old Testament heroes were heroes because they had faith. They were, we give them con, uh, commendation because of their faith. I, I want to invite you all to, to actually reach up and grab one of those pew Bibles. It'll give you an excuse to move and wake up for a second. Um, stretch your arms, grab a pew Bible, nudge your neighbor, but, but, but pick up a pew Bible. Go ahead and do I'll wait. I'm not in any hurry. Grab yours. If you, don't, if you can't reach a pew Bible, maybe get your phone out. I want you to see some things with me. You need to see this. Turn to the back of scriptures to Hebrews 11. 
and I'll wait. When you get there, I want you to take a look at verse 4. You see how verse 4 starts? By faith, Abel. Turn to, look at verse 5. By faith, Enoch. Look at verse 7. By faith, Noah. Look at verse 8. By faith, Abraham. Look at verse 11. By faith, Sarah. You begin to see what the author is doing here. He's building an argument that by faith, all of the heroes of the Bible live their lives. And he wants to, he just kind of over and over again, unless you see that and kind of see it one at a time, and maybe it might not sink in. And what the author is going to do is he's going to start telling their stories, each one of these people's stories, and showing how they live lives with an assurance of faith. Look at verse 7. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. Noah was asked to do something crazy. He was asked to build an ark, and he lived a life of faith. He built that ark. He trusted in the one who holds the future. Verse 8, by faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. You, you remember the same thing. Abraham was asked to leave his family land, go somewhere. It's, it's unseen. It's a promised land. And he lived a life of faith when he started walking. Abraham trusted the one who holds the future. Verse 11, we get it again by Sarah. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive even when she was past the age, we're talking about an elderly woman who believed God when he said, elderly woman, you are going to have a child. And she, and she lived a life of faith. She trusted the one who holds the future. One more time. Look at verse 4. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain did, through which he was com uh, commended as righteous. God commending Abel by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. Abel lived a life of faith as well. And here's what's interesting. I find this really interesting. The author says that even though Abel was faithful, he died. How is that right? Did Abel not get what he hoped for? Did Abel not get what he was promised? You see, I, all the time I see these people and they get to the end of their lives and, and, and they get sick. And what do they say? Why, God? Why me? Why, after I was faithful to you, did I get cancer? I trusted in your promises. I, I hoped in your future. I lived a life of faith. Why is this happening to me? Or, they, or, or people who lose their job and they say, God, I've, I've had faith in you. Why is my career now in shambles? Or God forbid you have a sick child. Or your marriage falls apart. And you say, God, why me? Wasn't I faithful? I trust in the one who held the future and this is what I get. 
And I remember last week we read, we were talking about those who had left the faith, right? And we read all these quotes about Christians who turned their back on God. And they were saying basically, where are all these promises of God? We can't see them. We can't see the promises of God. All we see are natural disasters and famines and how God lets people I love die. And you know what's interesting is when you get to verse 13 of our text, you read about all these great heroes of the faith, all the family of Sarah and Abraham, and and what does it say? They all died. In fact, read it with me. Look at verse 13. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth, Everyone in this story dies not having the things promised to them, not having the things that their faith set itself upon. They were looking for something that was not realized in this world. They prom- the promises they trusted for were not fulfilled on earth. And think about it. Abraham would not live to see God's great promise that his descendants would be like the, the, the sand on the shore. He, he, he didn't live for that. He could only see it from afar. Did you know that this this verse describes how a Christian dies? A Christian dies in faith. They die having not yet received that which they have been promised. What do I mean by that? I mean, you and I have been promised eternal life. So if we die, we die having not received what we were promised. You want to see the ultimate test of faith? It's waiting for you in your death. When you face your mortality, you can either scream out, why me, God? I'm not ready for this life to end. Or you can face your death in faith. Do you believe what God has promised you? And do you believe it's waiting for you in death? Verse 13 says that when faithful people die, they acknowledge, and this is what it says, that they acknowledge they were just exiles on earth, that this was never their home forever. And I would say this, may it it be so for those of you as you face your death. Maybe when you face your death, you look around those sitting at your bedside and you say to them, I don't belong here. I love you, but this is not my home. Look at how our our reading ends today in verses 14 through 16. It says this, For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. They have been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, which means he wanted to return back to where his parents lived. They, They would have an opportunity to return, but as it is, what they're really desiring is a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, For he has prepared for them a city. Have you ever thought about that? Uh, That you are intended for a heavenly place? And you are intended for resurrection to eternal life? I, I don't know what the future holds. But I know God has promised us by his word and purchased us by the blood of his son. And so I believe this with my final breath. The author of Hebrews is going to write to to 25 to 30 of his Jewish friends. And he describes to them how all of their heroes in the Old Testament lived lives of faith. 
And then when they went to the grave, all of their heroes had yet to receive all that God had promised them, but they had faith until their dying breath that on the other side of the chasm of death, they would find the promises of God. And he offers his friends a choice. Are you going to live a life of faith? Are you going to choose to believe the promises of God even when they seem far off? Friends, faith is, is being sure of what you hope for. It's, it's the conviction that you have in the things that you can't yet see. To live a life of faith suggests we know how our story ends. We know what will become of this earth and its inhabitants. And therefore, we are not the guy on the bridge who's ready to jump. Instead, we are looking forward to the future. Today's text also describes how a Christian should die. Their ultimate test of faith is their own death. The Christian faces their death with a certainty in the promises of God, even though they are not yet recognized. They have a confidence that the work of Christ accomplished what it was meant to accomplish. They face death with faith. Faith is about trusting that the death of Jesus worked when he gave his life as a ransom for you. I don't know what the future holds for you, but I do know who holds your future. So live lives of faith and die deaths of faith and await the one who has promised you everlasting life. Thanks be to God. Shall we pray together? Will you join me? Father, I thank you for this verse of Hebrews, this chapter 11, that, that, that is set to encourage the faith of this small church of Jews. God, may it encourage our faith today as we hear about the faithful heroes of the Old Testament who, who stepped out in faith, God, because they believed in you and the future you had called them to. And at the end of their days, when all things promised were not realized, you gave them faith to know that they are not bound for an earthly world but they're bound for a heavenly home with your son Jesus. That is our faith too, Lord. May it ever be so. Give us that courage by your spirit. We pray this in the name of Christ Jesus, our Lord. And the church said, amen.